Thank you for joining us on our second podcast. This is CJ Webley. We are on the Black Pounds Live podcast with a very, very special guest, Miss Amelia Webley, my wife. And she's here to talk to us a little bit about her journey into her career and also just about a little bit about our marriage and our finances, because um, she is the brains and the, uh, the piggy bank behind the behind who you see as CJ Webley. So yeah, over to you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So um, my profession is um, within education. I'm actually a primary school teacher. I currently teach in a faith school, um, which is a fantastic experience. Um, I teach uh, upper key stage two, so year five. And I've done that for now my fourth class already, which I can't believe it feels like I qualified the other day to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, how I even decided that I wanted to go into teaching, it kind of happened when I was around year 10 age. Um, I was really interested in working with children and child psychology in particular. Um, and in year 10, when I chose my options, I actually did childcare. Mm -hmm. and um, that was very much focused from naught to eight um, which is ironic now because I don't teach naught to eight at all <laughs> um, I teach nine and ten but um, that really helped me understand the basis of where the children had come from um, and their prior understanding and and where they were were at before I then um, you know took on took on this job Mm -hmm. um, so that was year 10 I did that year 11 and then instead of doing A levels which I had the grades to do A levels that wasn't mm. the issue um, I decided to do B tech childcare um, I think it was level three mm -hmm. and um, from then that gave me the experience that a lot of my A level counterparts as when I did go to university they didn't they didn't have that hands-on experience or as much as I did I think to get onto my degree you had to have two weeks experience mm -hmm. but of course for two years I'd been going in one day a week to various childcare settings I've done um SEN so special educational needs placements mm -hmm. I've done um nurseries and then of course I've done um year one year three and year five um so those were the, the experiences that I had prior to even going on and, and training officially to to teach mm -hmm. so, um, so just just taking it back a little bit um so when you were going to do that BTEC then so of course you you were a kind of person that could have very much went on to A levels if you wanted to but what mm -hmm. was the what was the reaction then when when you were doing decided to do a BTEC instead of yeah there's a, there was a huge and probably still is if I'm quite honest I don't know what it's like now but there was a huge stigma associated with stick um with um b-techs as if you weren't intelligent or clever enough to go on and do a levels so you did you did that instead mm. um but that wasn't my driving force behind it mine was I want to be a teacher this course is going to give me a background in child psychology and you know experience in going to placement actually being in the environment that I hope to be yeah. to me it just didn't make logical sense to go off and do history which is something I was very good at English and I think I would have done psychology if I'd done A levels yeah and yeah. you're currently um you're doing an online psychology course at the moment aren't you yeah. so it's, it's kind of all come um 
I was just going to say as well, so deciding to go that B-Tech route, you actually, you managed to to do really well on that. And you, yeah. you got a, um, did you get a bursary or a grant? Of yeah, some I got a scholarship um, to go to the university. So essentially, um, I looked around, I, I, I knew I wanted to move away for uni, um, just because I, I could really, it wasn't really mm -hmm. anything to do with family setup or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I chose to go to Worcester University. Um, and essentially, if you got three straight A's or the equivalent of, yeah. which I did, um, you got a thousand pounds. So I had a, an extra grand, if you will. And as and when you're a student, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Obviously now as a, as a person who's been working for four years, that's not that much money at all. But when you're a student, you've never, like up until that point, I've never had a job, never needed to work or anything like that. Um, so I was like, oh my gosh, I get an extra thousand pounds just because of, of doing well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's very much where that that came in handy, <laughs> if you will. So, what, so, so just thinking about that then. So at the moment, do you want to just share how how old you are? Because people probably look at this and think you you look about if they're watching a video, they'll think, oh, you look you look really young. <laughs> do you want to just share? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I don't think that will change for a couple of years. I'm 24, mm. um, 25 this year. Um, I didn't have any gaps in my in my um, education at all. Yeah. So I literally, I'm born in August as well. So it, I'm like one of the youngest in the year. So mm. I essentially went straight from college to university. I just turned 18, moved um, to Worcester for three years. Um, whilst I was there, some incredible things happened. Um, that really helped to start my career before it even started. Mm. Um, I was placed in a wonderful village school um, just near, near Eversham. Yeah. And um, the only reason I was placed there was because I could drive. I didn't have a car or anything, but I, I could drive and therefore I was placed, um, placed in this school. And because of having, you know, having that experience, they actually un offered me an unqualified job. Mm. So towards the end of my um, third year, so I'm doing dissertation and I'm then offered a, a job. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm doing three days a week there. I'd also um, worked in general for another organisation called Dimensions, which essentially um, was um care work for people with severe special educational um needs yeah. so disabilities um i'm you know medical trained um you name it I've, I've pretty much done all of the courses that you can do without necessarily it being your um your main your main career or yeah. aspiration so go, uh, just, just bring it back to so when you were teaching at at that school mm -hmm. um was that after or before the care job simultaneously so, they're at the so that again yeah so that at the same time yeah 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 so it's simultaneous so that year was hectic um you know unfortunately that year as well my my father's mum passed away in Jamaica. So I had to, in the middle of my final year, my dissertation and my final placement, mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, I had to up and leave and, and for two weeks and then come back and redo um, or, you know, complete that, that final year. Because in, in teaching, you have to have a certain amount of hours yeah. with, um, in school. 
and um it doesn't matter how how good you are that is it you have to have um a specific amount of days a specific amount of hours working in a fa- various um settings depending on what what it is that you want to focus on yeah um so it was very that year was a was a tough one because i was literally just working here there and everywhere whether it was on my dissertation i lived in the hive anybody who knows me who was at university with me they know where are you oh I'm, she's at the hive um oh, <laughs> she's just, right. oh, the library sorry yeah. so um that's just the name of the library yeah. Don't know. it looks like a beehive from the outside so that's why it's mm-hmm. named yeah um so literally I was I was just studying and then if I wasn't studying then I was teaching and if I wasn't mm-hmm. teaching then I was doing care work and that's pretty much how my life worked for about four months mm-hmm. four months straight towards the end of my degree yeah mm. so it was, I, mean, uh, I mean it's it's <clears throat> it's um of course we were together during this whole period so I'm I know all of this stuff, but, you know, it's nice for people to hear the, the journey that you have been on and how you kind of have got to this point. Um, I just wanted to focus a little bit on that, that the school experience, because you, I remember that uh, once you'd finished your, I think you just mentioned it briefly, but once you finish your, um, you finish your studies, you actually offered a job at that particular school. Yeah. And I know that that was, you know, we were together at that time thinking about, you know, marriage and where we were going to be based and whatever, because I was in London at the time and uh, I was still, you know, working out there. So it was very much an ongoing conversation. But I know that you you got that job um, in, in that region. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot because because most people that, that were around you weren't necessarily from the education sector. So we didn't we didn't know how it all kind of works in that process. So in our minds, we were kind of like, well, you've been offered a job, why not, why not just accept it and get the experience? It's a good school, you know, you'd be able to... Outstanding. Yeah, Outstanding. But, but you were very much not, um, you very much didn't want to go that route. So do you want to explain a little bit about... Why- so I had, yeah, you're right, uh, you know, that four or five month period, which was incredibly busy. I, I really enjoyed it, though I enjoyed... Mm-hmm you know, being busy, and I still do, to be quite honest, but essentially, it was, I had a choice to make, mm. uh, I hadn't even turned 21 yet, because like mm. I said, I was born in August, so at 20, I had the, the choice to make, do I move home mm-hmm. in the summer and, and look for work in Birmingham, or in and around Birmingham, or knowing that I've been offered this unqualified job, and would therefore be you know, top of the, the ranks, if you will, for um, for the opening in September. Do mm-hmm. I take that or do I move home? And I and it to me, it wasn't that difficult of a decision. You know, I am completely grateful um, for that experience. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, um, you know, teaching and, you know, everything that I'd learned in university for me really did come Mm-hmm. Um, come into play in my final placement and of course in that job it really gave me the opportunity to experiment and trial things um things out yeah um but I you know I said no well and I, I want to go home so I can save money and so I can buy, buy a property which I, I did mm. but I, um, well, I rewind rewinding because I think because you, you have such a positive outlook on life you forget kind of the, the the things that happened around that period you were very much at a, at a point where you you didn't have 
you didn't necessarily have a, a, the job that you have now. You you'd been you you'd been applying for a couple of things. Yeah. So in everyone's mind around you, it was kind of like, well, you've you've said that that job's good. Like even myself included, yeah. you, you said that that job's good, and um, you said it's a nice place. You know, you don't have any you know any burdens at the moment you know why wouldn't you just take that opportunity you know you you were kind of leaving something for the unknown you know and people yeah. around you your closest people didn't understand that so what what kind of drove you to continue uh, and and you know know that you you were just going to leave that opportunity and 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 find what it was that you really wanted like what what was it inside you that said you know what despite what everybody thinks I'm still going to do what what I think of, you know, what I think I I uh, want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think do you know what? I think the confidence came from came from knowing that I'd had an excellent third year placement. Um so just if I don't know whether I actually explain this, but essentially my degree was called primary education um with qualified teacher status. You might hear people abbreviate it to QTS. So essentially it's a three year course and um, you learn how to teach all of the subject areas. And, and as well as that, you have your placements and they increase with time um, mm -hmm. as you go through the degree. So your first year, I think you do about six weeks, if, if that. Second year, it's I think seven or eight. And with the placement, the amount you teach as well, um, goes up so you know your second year placement I think I was teaching maybe 60% to put that into into days you probably teaching maybe three three days a week mm -hmm. but spread out um, and then in my final placement you're you're um, obligated to go from teaching 60% to teaching 90 mm -hmm. um, which 90% um, is essentially what you would do in your NQT year which is your newly qualified teacher um, year, yeah. if you will, your first year of teaching. So, um, because of the school that I was in, and because the teacher that I was, um, you know, my mentor, if you will, saw that I, you know, was very good at it, she literally just let me teach. I, I taught. I think she taught maybe one or two lessons a week. I took on the bulk of it, mm -hmm. and so from that. And having various head teachers who haven't even seen me teach ask about me um, because, you know, head teachers talk. <laughs> and so, you know, I was given the, the opportunity to go and I, I was asked if I wanted to interview in Worcester. Um, a couple of head teachers got into contact via the university about me there. And it was it was overwhelming. Now that I look back, I know that it's not common. That's not a common thing um, yeah. for you to be headhunted like that. But I, I guess I didn't really think of it like that. I just thought, oh, okay, like they're just they're just interested in you know my charisma and my attitude and the way the way I I try to make education as enjoyable as I as I can. Mm -hmm. Um. So essentially, I I had all of that behind me. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was thinking, well, I'm not bad at this. <laughs> um. So someone is going to want to have me in their school mm -hmm. just because this opportunity has presented itself doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's the best one for my future and not even just my future at this time we've been together for about a year and a half mm -hmm. so for our future what is it that we both 
um, desire. And so mm. it, I was, it was coming from a, you know, a, an experience that I'd already had, you know, when, when I decided that I'm not doing A-levels, I'm going to do B-tech. And then, you know, I ended up getting a scholarship for that. So I was kind of relying on past experience that, that I'd already had to, to know that actually everything will work out the way it, it should. Mm. Um, so, so, so the, the fact that you were kind of being headhunted, the fact that people were kind of um, saying that, you, you know, you've got a, a gift at this essentially, you know, you, you know what you're doing. The people that are in those, those positions of kind of leadership, they were kind of validating your skill set. So it kind of made you more confident in what you were doing and know that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily struggle to, to yes. get into another school. Um, so how did you feel at that time then when so you had you had all of that and of course you you were explaining that to to us and you know people that aren't necessarily in your in your field of work um and I guess I guess there's a lot of crossover and we'll talk we'll talk more about my experience at a later stage but I think it was it for you I think it and I remember you mentioned remembered very distinctly you saying that it was the first period of time where people that are closest to you didn't didn't believe in or support the the decision wholeheartedly that you were making definitely I'll I'll just expand on you know the whole job process um those of you who are familiar with education the way it works um you'll know there's something called a pool and so essentially different councils um you can put your application your teaching application um, through to a pool and then head teachers will essentially look at the pool of, of teachers and say okay I want, I want to interview that one I want to interview that one and I did not apply to a pool mm. because I was very and still am <laughs> headstrong with the decisions I make because I don't feel like um, I would have been blessed with the skill set for me just to end up working anywhere that that was very much my mindset. I thought I think that was I think that was that was where the difficulty was from our perspective, though. The you know the people that care and want you to to um, excel and and move yeah. forward. It was that we couldn't understand why you didn't why you didn't okay go your own route, but then also go the pool route where you know so you've got that kind of fallback. But I remember you mentioned that you didn't want to waste the employer's time because you didn't want you wanted to kind of pick where you wanted to go. And like you say, That's you it. validated by the, the professionals that you were working with. And I went, I went to, um, I did go to one, before I um, applied for the school that I currently work in, mm. I went to one um, school and it was, a, it was a three form entry. So there's three teachers per year group. Mm -hmm. And I've only ever trained, that's one, that's a really important thing to, to mention. I've only ever trained in one form entry schools. Okay. So I've on, I, I only know what it's like to do everything myself. That, I don't have much experience of, of um, working with somebody and, you know, them planning English and me planning maths. Mm. That's not my experience at all. And so I'm more than capable of doing it all because that's how I was trained. Mm. Um, so I say that to say this, I walked into the school and I did my, um, my lesson. Lesson was absolutely wonderful. It went well. And it went for the, we went then to, to speak to the, the head teacher and you have a governor that's normally there. And then some, normally the deputy as well will interview you. Normally it's three, three people on the interviewing panel. And I sat there and I, 
I just felt in my gut, I said, you know what, this isn't it. This isn't where you want to work. Mm. It just felt, for me, it just felt like there, it was too many. <laughs> too many. And, I, and, and at that point, I knew too many, that. I'm sorry. Just, just too, too many classes, too many okay. people. There would be too much competition as and when I wanted to climb ranks, mm. um, which, you know, I very much wanted to keep the option of climbing up the ladder mm. um, open. And there's, I knew more pressure, that, there's more pressure, isn't there, to, to kind of um, almost prove yourself to others as opposed to do the job that you're there to do. You yeah. Know, um, yeah. Um, and who knows, who knows, you know, I could have ended up there. And, and knowing me and the way I am, I would have 100% made that work and I wouldn't have been any different than I am now. I would have still given 110% because that's just what I'm like. I've been like that through my own education. And I, you know, I expect kids to be like that with me, just to give their best. So my concern wasn't what necessarily even working with people. I love working with people, mm. but I've trained, I've been trained to do it all. I mean, you know, and I'm used to that time management. I'm used to, you know, it, everything being on me. Yeah. And so I wanted that, especially at the beginning of my career, you know, I don't have any children. I don't have any responsibility in that way. I thought, well, it's kind of either now or never. Very rarely, and this is just from experience, I could be very wrong, but very rarely do you hear of someone who's married and got a couple of children still working in a one form entry school. The tendency is that you do your one form entry school and then you shift and you move on to a bigger school so that the workload, mm. not the effort, but the workload is lighter. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I sat in that interview and I just sat there and I thought, you know what, I'm, I, don't, I don't really want this. Mm. Don't, and, and they could tell, and they could tell. And I kind of made sure that they could tell that I didn't really want it because I didn't want them to offer me the job knowing they'd seen a brilliant lesson, mm. knowing that that's not where my heart was. Mm. Um. So yeah, it's quite interesting. And obviously, how, I, I, how, I, go on. So how do you? And again, did it? Did it? Did that just kind of come back to the the whole like knowing what you wanted? Like, is it literally just a case of knowing what you wanted? That wasn't it. So you know, without being rude, about you know trying to. And I think to be quite honest with you, it's sometimes you might not know exactly what it is that you do want, but as long as you know what you don't want. Mm. You, make a very good decision I wouldn't say that in my career um and you know through university in my career that I've known exactly what it is that I want even now four yeah. years in I still think okay right what do I is this my next step is this my next step but it's very clear I'm very clear on what I don't want yeah so that helps to whittle down your options if you will but I think that you know it's probably a good point now just to mention you know we were both very much in relation in our relationship during your period at uni the second mm -hmm. from second year onwards so yeah, I, very yeah. much, I very much saw the work the work that you're putting in I saw yours in that it, you know when I'd come to visit but because I was busy as well because I had my own you know um, things that I was working on it didn't feel it didn't feel intense um at all like just working together and going to the library together and stuff like that it didn't feel intense. But I guess 
just in a relationship context, would you say you just applied that whole, you know, if it doesn't kind of fit in with the vision of what I have and if it's kind of taken me away from that, you know, how, how did you maneuver that? That's really interesting because like I know for a lot of people in general, they say, oh, you know, I want to get my degree and then I'll think about a relationship afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, my intention was never, my intention wasn't to um, get into a relationship and that relationship steer me from what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. That was never going to happen. Um, if anything, you know, and this is where it comes down to choosing the right person, Mm. or the person that you know whose vision aligns with yours even if it's not in the same sector Mm. it's so important because I would say that having you there very much drove me to continue to to do better Mm. and continue to make um good choices because I knew it wasn't just for me yeah um um, but then I in the same breath I think if we had gotten together later you know it wouldn't have changed where I'm at in life right now um, I think I think it's probably it, it, it's as well because even before we got into a relationship, the conversations we were having were very much about, you know, we'll go we'll go through this university journey. We'll know that we won't be in the same city at, at the same time. Um, but the, the focus, very much the focus of our relationship was to was to get married. Like that, there was no there was no dispute about that. You know, it was very much if we're going to be in a relationship, then this is this is going to be the end goal. You know, and all the stuff in between we had to figure out but we just knew what the end goal was and I think it's the same with with your career it's very much like you don't you at that particular time you didn't know um where it was that you were going to be working but you knew what the end goal felt like you knew what it what it should have been um I just want to touch a little bit on the financial aspect so you mentioned you got a a a scholarship of one thousand pounds or a um first grant yes um so what what was your how did you use that that money how did you you know you didn't just go on shopping spree oh no no, I've never been like (laughs) I've never been like that I've always been quite frugal I get from my parents man Mm. um resourceful is the word Mm. that my aunt used when I was speaking to her actually about it and yeah I would say that you know I most young people remember I was literally just turned 18 and they've been given a thousand pounds most young people who are at university that is going on food as in like fast food mm. it's probably going on alcohol which i never touched so that wasn't going to prevent there it's going on um clothes again mm. not i like shopping but i've always been um when it comes to money i just think oh well what else could i do with that mm-hmm. even now even now, I I don't do play shopping. If anything, I have to force you to buy some new stuff, man. Seriously. Because <laughs> I just think, oh, I could spend that on something else. I could spend that on something else. So, no, um, I've always had really positive spending habits, um, and that just very much translated as and when. Even when I was so, my first year I didn't work at all, and my second year I didn't work at all. Um, but between somewhere between my second and my third year that's when I got the job and I worked there for a whole year Mm. until I then left to come back to Birmingham Mm -hmm. so when I got that job the money I I don't really know how I used it now Mm. but oh yeah I do know I do know how I used it I saved up for my first car Mm. Uh, my intention 
my intention was never to rely on my parents for finances. You, so, so you passed your driving test when you were 17? Yeah, right? I was 17. So before I even, before I even um, went to university, I got that yeah. out of the way. Um, and I actually love driving. I genuinely do. Um, I don't see it as a chore. Yeah, I don't um, drive and you, 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 are, <laughs> you just drive me places. I like, you know, sitting there as it's like a taxi. <laughs> when you say oh no I'll drive oh thanks <laughs> but now like um my final year I knew that I wanted um to get myself a car you know because even though I was moving home I still wanted that independence so um yeah that was what I saved up for I saved up enough money for my insurance and I saved um, enough money for my car um I didn't end up having to pay for the car Mm. bought it for me for my 21st mm. wonderful but I'm very much this kind of person if it's if there's something that I want I would rather spend the money that I know I've earned to get it mm. I'm not great at receiving gifts or I'm not yeah it's just not it's not really my thing of course I'm eternally grateful for everything that my parents have given me and it definitely took off financial pressure Mm. You know, because it wasn't necessary they wanted to buy me a, my birthday a gift and it so happened to be a car but I knew that that car would it, it was for um a purpose I didn't just want a car just to say oh I've got a car it was that car is going to allow me to work much further than if I didn't have a car yeah. and so and that's very much what I learned when I was in my third placement and actually the only reason I landed in a school that gave me an unqualified job was because I could drive. Yeah. And so it, that experience and seeing how that knock-on effect of one decision can make everything else fall into place. Mm. It was like, oh, yeah, I just definitely got a car. So I, I got the car around May time, I think it was. Mm. Um, that, that, that point about um, gifts, though, I know that was something that I, I really struggled with. Um, yeah. Because, because, you know, I think society teaches teaches us that when you're in a relationship you know yeah and, and the way things are marketed as well it's always like you know by, by your by your girlfriend or your wife this and you know that will make her happy and what you know some 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 women do like their gifts and things like that I don't think there's anything wrong with that I just think it's the more the attitude behind it you know I, is it because it's a thoughtful gift or is it just because you like you know it because it's expensive um but I think for me I, re I really found it difficult because whether I bought you a pair of trainers, whether it was a, you know, whether it was something for your car, whether it was something, you know, um, just something more expensive, like a, a mirror or whatever it was, like the reaction was always the same because in your mind, it's like, well, actually you're the gift, really. Your time is, is the gift. I'd rather just, you know, go, you know, go, go somewhere with you, go for a walk or whatever, get some food. Like that was more the gift for you. And I think I really found it difficult because, the outside influences would always tell you, you know, yeah, what are you getting? Or what are you getting for her birthday? What are you getting for Valentine's Day? Da, da, da. And I'm like, actually, I'm not getting her anything because she just genuinely, you know, and people think you joke, people think I'm joking or, or being like exaggerating, but yeah. actually you get a little bit vexed if I spend, mo if I spend money on, on certain uh -huh. things, you know, so <laughs> I guess that, that definitely made me more frugal and understand, you know, okay, well, if I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy her anything then let me think about experiences what can I experience with her that she'll she'll value but um yeah so I just want to fast forward slightly then so um 
I guess during this period, I remember you, so second year you were at, you were in, um, you were at uni, yeah, second year, and I was at, I was working at the school, te- I was working at the school, yeah, so, so <laughs> I, I finished my degree and I went into, I, I wanted to go to London to do, a, to do my master's, um, but obviously needed to, to save some money before I went there, you know, and then, um, so I went into teaching, I did unqualified teaching, drama and arts, well, I started off as a lunchtime supervisor and ended up doing TA work and ended up teaching a, teaching two subjects, like, because I guess that just, just a testament to my kind of ambition, I guess, if I can see a need, then I kind of try to meet that need, and I know that that school, they were struggling for art and drama teachers and I kind of had experience in that from doing my A-levels and whatnot and my degree so I really wanted to help them them fulfill that need um but during this period like we say um you were in your second year I was I was teaching so I remember you know ever since we got into a relationship and even before that point you always knew that my passion was to to go into the arts you know whether whether that be a writer producer whatever it is you knew that my passion was was theatre. You knew that my passion was was um, you know working with young people, but not necessarily in the capacity of you know formal education. So, what was kind of going through your mind then when you know you whilst I was doing that teaching job? You know what what did you think? Um, it's interesting because before, yeah, let's put it this way. So you are the kind of person that if you're in a job. Mm don't tend to stay either doing that one thing or you um what I mean by that is you're normally multitasking so you're doing multiple things at the same time or you you try to seek out opportunities to progress within that um within that corporation or whatever it is whether it's company whether it's education whatever it is and so I I'm knowing that theatre is all has always been your driving thought force mm. I didn't want you to end up regretting you know five years down the line that you've had the opportunity to go to London and do your master's and you chose not to because you were getting paid mm. like that, that, was was, very, that was that was very much the thought process at the time for me like I had I had definitely different thoughts going through my head just based on what different people were saying you know as well um, and I've had to really learn to to find my own voice and find what it is that I want because very much at that point it was probably the first time I was I was getting a decent salary um, and it, it you know people were saying oh it's going to be hard to turn that down now to go to London and so on and so forth and you know this is why I think it's very important to have people around you that believe in what your passion is like believe in your talent ultimately especially as a, as a creative you raised um, it you raised it with me I think we only literally had one conversation because I said no you go into London mm-hmm. like that's that's it you've always said from when we first started speaking you've always said you know you want to go down to London and get your master's so that that would help to to catapult your your career within mm-hmm. the arts and so for me, I'm hearing that and what you're saying now isn't matching up. So I have to remind you, no, this is what we discussed before. Mm. So this is what needs to needs to happen. And I think you you I know it's your favorite word, accountability, but it is important. That it's that, it's that, I know it was I know my my mum also was saying the same thing um, mm. 
I think she said, I, I asked her first and she's pretty much said the same thing. No, you're not staying at the school. You know, you need to do what you want to do. And then you kind of seconded that. So, um, but yeah, account accountability is really important. But I think for me, it was that, it was the fear of the unknown. Um, and also that, you know, as someone, you know, young black man going into the art sector, it's not something that we, it's not something that you see that, you know, very frequently at all, really. Know, especially in our circle so I think people were kind of thinking well why so a lot of people would, would try and feed that doubt into what you're doing like have you really thought this through the, the and I think for me I'm the very I'm very much a kind of person that will you know and with the support of you and and the people that are supporting me on this mission you know I'm very much a person to do first and ask the questions later but unfortunately at that time because it was it was very much a big jump leaving that salary and going to a whole different city, you know, um, is very very much a, a a big a big thing. So, I guess a question is like how, say there was a, there was someone else in that situation. We weren't even engaged or married. We weren't engaged at that point. We're still just 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 um, courting, as they say. Um, how did you know? Or what was it that gave you the the assurance, I guess, that this was the right decision? Because you hadn't really seen any of my work at that point. You'd, you'd seen, you know, maybe, I don't know, I don't think you'd actually seen any of the work I'd done. Just through uh, the videos you used to show me, um, yes. But no, hmm. I, you hadn't had anything on at that point. Um, I think that it was the fact that through your, through your teaching experience, I could tell that, you know, you weren't ever satisfied, even though you'd made a, a huge amount, a huge amount of progress in a year, going from literally wiping tables to then teaching two subjects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've had no formal teaching um, experience. Mm -hmm. For me, it was, okay, if he doesn't do something that, he is finding 100% fulfilling. This pattern of moving from job to job to job is only going to continue. Mm. Because if you're if you're genuinely satisfied with where you're working, then there'd be no real reason to mm. to move on. Um, and so for me, it was like, well, like I said, you've always said. I want to work in the arts. And you've never said that you wanted to work, work in the arts and just the arts, not at all. But for me, you know, I felt that you not moving to London would be giving up on something that you haven't even attempted yet. Yeah. Um, which we're just not on. <laughs> so it was, just a, it was just the thing of, you've always said that writing is your passion and this degree is going to allow you to enhance what is already there mm. this isn't a conversation mm. and do it but then as so so thinking as well about the time scale as well so me then going to london that would then so think about it this way so i think at that, at that point then so you would you were quite selfless because you weren't necessarily thinking well if he just stays in that job i can finish uni in a year yeah. and we can get you know he can save that money we can get a house and because it, it could have all very much went in a very linear point. I mean, probably still would have been at the same point now. Um, whereas with that, with you kind of believing in my 
dream essentially um that kind of it 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 made things a little less clear because you know imagine if i went to london and then you know ended up getting a job there and so on and so forth it could have really changed and shaped um yeah it could have yeah, shaped you're totally right because you gotta think I was in my second year going into my third when you moved down to London. So you moved down to London when I was in my final year at university. Mm. So, um, and then you didn't come back until I'd finished my first year of teaching mm. officially in Birmingham. So there was up until, up until that point, we'd never actually lived in the same city, which is quite mind blowing now that I think of it. But yeah. we dealt with it, you know, we, and we're very much like that. You know, yeah. we've got stuff to do. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, we, we managed to balance the communication and balance, you know, each other around what our goals were, which which now that I look back, we did it very, very well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, it was just an... It could have changed everything. You know, like I said, I had jobs mm. waiting for me. I could have stayed in, in Worcester. I could have stayed there for an entire year and just done my NQT year there and then moved afterwards. Um, but I always knew the kind of school I wanted to work in. I wanted to work in a multi, um, multi-cultural school. I wanted to, to work in Birmingham. Um, I've always wanted that. So, um, so would you say then you were able to support my ambitions 100% because you had the assurance that even if things didn't quite work out with what I was doing, we, you know, you very much saw this as a partnership and that if you, if you were able to, to generate finance and you were able, and because you know that we're both quite frugal, um, we both kind of don't just spend, spend money on all sorts of things. Um, yeah. It's like, of course, you know, I went on a journey through that. I used to work at Top Man when I was at uni and I used to, anytime there was a sale, I was just, clearing the rack because I just you know just didn't really think about my finances like that but as I kind of grew and, and got to know you a little bit more I started to understand the value of of my money and what I was doing with it so yeah yeah a journey for me definitely there is there is um here's the thing uh, and this is one thing I've always said I, I definitely learned from my parents you don't have to earn a lot of money to do a lot with money mm. um you just need to be smart about it and I think, unfortunately, a lot of young people, and it, maybe a lot of older people have certain tendencies now, um, but I'd say definitely people who are my sort of age, 24, you know, they, they are spending money outside of their means and therefore have no leverage. You know, they think about money mm -hmm. in a way that I don't feel like you should have to, especially if you've, you've, you've gotten to university or you know you're you're earning a certain amount mm. I, I just don't I can't see how more people haven't been able to afford the things that we have done mm. um which is pretty much pretty much up until this point it's been on it's until you know recent recent times it's just been one salary really you know to get to the it's been your salary you know so um yeah but I think I think because of that because I never felt like it was just your money. I always felt like I could go into the bank account and take what I needed when I needed and not feel like 
oh, I shouldn't really be doing this. It's only even my money. Like you always made it clear, like this is this is your money, and that's that's you know something that I think. Well, that's obviously in the marriage context, but even before even before the marriage, that we very much had a kind a relationship where um, it was very open financially. We, you know, and I, and I, I guess people would say that is a major risk because there's no guarantee as such. But I think when you just kind of know, I always say when you know, you know, in it, like I didn't ever feel like this wasn't going to work out. Um, I just never felt like that. And um, so, yeah, I think I think when you have that openness with finances, with with your with the person you're with you know as a creative person I knew that up until I got to a certain point I probably wasn't going to be earning um as much near, nearly as much as as you were earning but I never felt um I never felt insecure about that because I knew that I could get a job uh, do you get what I mean like I was always in I was never kind of struggling for employment and you kind of encouraged me to, to to gear away from that because you knew that my passion was in in the art sector so I needed to pursue what it was that I was passionate about because you know even when you were working in London you know every you know you were there for, you were there for two years two years mm. and you had within the NHS about three or four different jobs <laughs> and and that's what I'm saying you did the same thing with the teaching you mm. went through job to job in a very short amount of time because you weren't fulfilled in the same mm. way. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like, okay, I've seen this pattern before. Mm. <laughs> he needs to continue doing his creative stuff because he's, you know, it's for him, it's a necessity. It, literally you can't function in the same way if you're not, if you're not writing, if you're not having these, I, the time to come up with creative ideas. You know, my brain doesn't work that's that way. It doesn't, I'm very linear. I'm very logical. I'm very organized, very well thought out. Yeah. Um, so I can just cope working in a, in a, in a, in an environment where things are dictated to me, if you yeah. will. But you're not, you're not like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, I always, I always say that, you know, I always consider you the, the soundboard, you are the piggy bank, you are the, <laughs> the resource that I need to go to when things aren't quite clear in my mind because the, all the financial stuff like I say to people anything that I get I just give it to Amelia I keep my little pocket money and I do what I gotta do but that's usually investing into different stuff um and like that's usually kind of funding stuff for my different projects but in terms of my actual earnings what I get I just give all of that money to you because I just know that you're you're very good with that and you do your spreadsheets and whatnot and I don't I just don't have the mental capacity to deal with all of that yeah. um yeah, but yeah. I know that <laughs> but but like I say I I always say not every relationship is the same it might be the other partner in in another relationship that's that's better with the finances and you kind of have to know what works for you and your relationship but one thing that I I can say has has been great for me is knowing that I've never felt that um, our finances weren't aligned. I always felt, even even when I wasn't wasn't earning what I earn now, I I always felt like your money was my money. And even when we we bought the house on your salary and so on and so forth, and we went into that went into the uh, into the office and and put the you know 
and you were going through all the, the checks and whatnot I was just like yes 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 this is nice this is nice because I'm, I'm not thinking like I'm thinking one that's stress that I don't have to think about two she's she definitely has made this it very clear that this is mine as well yeah. Um, yeah. and you know obviously now it's different we've I'm down on everything and it's, it's very much that that marriage kind of partnership we have now but but at the time you know when we were just engaged I still felt like we were very much in this together and you were very much uh, you were very encouraging of the work I was doing even when I had knockbacks you were always like don't worry it's, it's gonna work out and I think for a creative even if it's not even if it's not your wife or your partner I think it's very important to have people there that are that are rooting for you 100% um and really pushing you to to achieve what it is that you set out to achieve I think if I didn't have you I I don't think I wouldn't have the drive to to go to to get to where I where I am or wouldn't have the ideas but I think I wouldn't have the the person to help me clarify my vision and focus on certain things at a certain time because the way my mind works I'm always just thinking of stuff you know I'll, I'll just like say immediately what do you think of this and it's like, yeah, great, great idea. Write it down. Focus on what you've got to do right now. And I think mm-hmm. if I didn't have that, I would constantly probably still be job, um, jumping from job to job because I'd be thinking, oh, I've got to get the finances. Oh, but I want to do my creative stuff. Oh, da, da, da. So I think for someone like me, um, it's definitely been important to, or definitely be a, a, an add, added value to be with someone like like yourself. Um well, be with you, not someone like yourself, be with you. Um, I just wanted to touch back on the, on the finances then. So when we were, so when you were at uni, you just finished uni, I was still in London at the time, you were working um, at the care, you were working a care job um, and we work in placement at that point. Was it just the care job? Um, I was unqualified teaching. And did you get paid for that as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I had two jobs basically running alongside each other. Okay. So those finances, so you were renting a flat at the time with, with your friend. Um what what did you do with the rest of the finances? Hmm, what did I do with the rest? I saved it. Mm. So you bought a, you bought a, you, you were gonna save up to buy a car. Yeah, my parents sorted that out. I think I just used some of it for mine. I think I'd already had the money for the insurance, so I already paid that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm the kind of person, if I can pay it in bulk, it's getting paid in bulk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I paid that in bulk because um, I had the money and just thought, let me just pay it. Yeah. Which was a lot of money now that I think back. I think it's something like a £1,800 mm-hmm. I paid all in one go for it for just one year of driving, <laughs> which is ridiculous mm-hmm. now that I look back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just saved it. I just started saving. And then when I started getting paid for my actual um official teaching role for my nqt year i i saved minimum a thousand pounds every month mm. because i didn't go out if you know anything about nqt year it is the most stressful year because you are just teaching of course you are well supported don't get me wrong but it is very much on you to get it done. They're your class. You know, you have to deal with your parents. You have to deal with your marking, your planning, your assessment, your data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember looking back, I used to wake up every Sunday. So I wouldn't ever work on a Saturday because mm. of religious beliefs, Sabbath. I wouldn't work on a Sabbath. 
Mm. But um, Sunday morning would come and I would just work flat out. Mm. That 12 hours, I just worked from about eight till eight. And I still wouldn't have everything done because as when you're inexperienced, it takes you so much longer to do things, to understand, okay, are the kids going to understand this next step? Do I need to go and, and um, redo that part of the lesson? And mm-hmm. you, know, you you are thinking it's going 100 miles per hour, um, especially if you're in a completely new group, new year group, which I was. I was in year five. I'd never taught in year five mm-hmm. before. So I was understanding what that looked like. Um so I didn't really have much of a social life and quite frankly, <laughs> I was okay with that. Mm. I was okay with that because I, knowing that you were in London, mm. that was actually allowed me to kind of really focus on what it was that I wanted to. Mm. Um, not to say, well, you, you, I think, I think in terms of the social life thing, you, you very much, you very much still have friends that are also quite busy and also pretty yeah. much in relationships as well. So there's a, there's a mutual understanding of like, we're, yeah at this point now but we're still working hard because we want to get to uh, the next stage or the next phase of, of what yeah, we do. I was going to say as well not that if you were in Birmingham it would have been a distraction mm. but I definitely would have felt the obligation to spend more time with you but it wouldn't have been quality time it would have been us and we sometimes fall into the habit of doing mm. this us sat there with our laptops working. Mm. Um, we like it now but it just would have been worse then mm. um, I think I think there's a time for everything and you very much understood that this year, you know, is going to be hectic. Yeah. And we'll hopefully get better. Um, and it has done. <laughs> we'll get better and better as the years go by because experience um, will, will dictate that. Well, there's a couple of things, I guess, um, I guess on the social stuff, because people probably think, well, you know, you, you do a lot of, you, you're really busy in terms of the work you do. And same with me always busy always working on stuff so they'll, they'll kind of probably be wondering what do you do outside of that what what do we do for fun sort of thing oh I don't know. do you know what back then pretty much nothing um, <laughs> don't get me wrong I spent a lot of time with my family obviously I still live with, I've lived with them at the time um so you know I spend time with my mom and dad and my brother um but to be quite but honest, I think as well, it's it's not to undervalue that you're passionate about working with children, you're passionate about the job. So to you, although it was a busy period of time, it didn't feel like a chore. It just was a busy. No, period of time. no because I reap the rewards instantly. It's like okay, I might spend all of Sunday working, but actually now that I'm going through the week. I'm able to really think and be present with the children because I'm not distracted in the sense that, oh, I've got so much to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what anybody says, you know, it doesn't matter whether you are, you consider yourself organized or not. I personally don't see any other way than being organized as a teacher. I, I personally don't because I see the impact, um, you know, when I've, I've seen lessons, not in my current school, actually, when I was, when I was training, I'd see lessons and you could tell that the teacher that was teaching was completely distracted mm. because they themselves had not organized themselves. And so mm. then you can't then expect children to have that positive attitude towards learning. If you are, you're, you're showing uh, something else, mm-hmm. you know, kids, oh. mirror, they mirror, you know, what they see. So, so, so fast forward into to now then, or let's say pre-COVID and then to now. So pre-COVID, what, what did we do for fun? What sorts of things did, did we like to do? 
Um, we went to the gym. Mm. Used to work out together. Um, what else we used to do for fun? We used to go on hotel breaks. I definitely miss that. Mm. Um, what else we? We always tried to make sure it was one with a restaurant as well, so that yeah, so we could always just. have a meal or whatever but yeah we haven't been used to and this has been throughout our our entire um entire relationship we've always done a lot of walks a lot of like whether it's 15 minutes whether it's an hour we've always decided okay let's just go out and get get some fresh air so that's something we've always done together Mm. um independently um through through covid and having a bit more time um somewhat mm. um <laughs> yeah, i've i love doing jigsaw puzzles i've mm. always loved it my mum is you know that's my mum's fault because she very much <laughs> likes doing jigsaw puzzles i love doing my budgeting i do my budgeting every sunday i sit there with my laptop look at the finances it's not fun that that isn't it fun. Is fun. <laughs> that one because people are, i don't want to lose my viewers my my, my listeners man <laughs> I, I love I love progression in all areas progression whether it's career progression in a skill that you've got progression in finances I just like progress I like to see okay if I do this then I'll get to this point then I'll get to this point and that's very much been my motto for as long as I can remember um but now I love budgeting oh yeah love budgeting I've cooked I've started cooking a lot more now um because obviously when I first when we first got married you are working from home and so yeah. you do a lot of the cooking um and now I have I think I remember the last time you made dinner no I think, but I think that was a natural kind of it because because I'm at home because I'm at home more than you um it like you say initially it just made sense that I'd do the cooking and whatnot um but I think as I got more busy and busy and busy Mm. busier and busy and busier rather um I you kind of just said you know I'll just take I'll just take that one and my responsibility is just to keep the house tidy clean up Thursdays clean up Thursdays without fail whatever you're doing you have to stop it and get the house tidy because and, yeah, the you next day. do the cleaning of the house and you also clean the cars so yeah that um <laughs> I was gonna say something man um you so yeah on the topic of of enjoyment as well because I don't really like I'm not really into the flying business um I find airports very very long and I'm just not really into that but I know you really like to travel to different countries we went on our honeymoon to Crete um that was that was amazing um and since- that was yeah I was interrupt, that was literally the first two weeks where you know we literally did nothing but relax yeah like and I don't think we've had another time where we've lived. Oh, wow. It's, it's, worth mentioning. it's worth mentioning because I think, I think there's, there's a perception probably, I think when people do these sorts of things and speak to their wife and husband, there's a perception that everything is always plain sailing. And, you know, of course, we, I'd say we have a very good relationship. We, we communicate very well. But I know it's been a journey. Um, I know that when we went to, when we went to Stratford, for your birthday and I just I'd literally just started the um I was just getting to grips with Black Pants project everything was just booming my phone was whatever I was getting asked to interview left right and center and it was yeah it was your birthday weekend and um 
Tatiana. I, I said, I said, you know, I, I said to you that I wasn't really going to do much work. I said, I'm going to just do a little bit of work here, a little bit of work there. And like, I remember that, um, you know, you, you were just quite sad because technically that was a time where we actually should have just not been doing work and we should have just been spending time with each other. But as much as, you know, I think because of the way we work, there's always going to be work to do. And I think that was a time when I really had to reflect and say, okay, if I've set aside this time to, you know, be with Amelia and, and spend time with her, particularly on her birthday, you know, I need to, to make sure that I'm not, um, you know, inter interfering with that because sometimes all the work that we do can get in the way of, of what we want to achieve, at, you know, in our relationship as well. And we've got a lot of goals and ambitions mutually, but also independently as well. Absolutely, and, and the opposite happened when we went to Oxford. <laughs> working flat out. Yeah. About seven o'clock in the morning, I'd already done about three lessons. Yeah, yeah. That was just necessary for, for then. And um, I, think, I think the difference with your one was that, the difference with when you did it was that you actually communicated with me. That yeah, you, were going, you yeah. said, we're going away, <laughs> but I am, I've got to get this stuff done. Like, but I, I wasn't as clear. Um, and maybe it's because at that time I didn't necessarily know how busy I was going to be. But yeah, I think that was probably it. Looking back, yeah. but it's it's learning. I think what what we're able to do and what I really like about our relationship is that we we constantly learn. Like if we do yeah. something wrong, we adapt and we say, okay, that that wasn't cool. You know, the the opposite person didn't didn't really appreciate that. Let me let me just not do that, or let's think differently about how we can work that but I guess okay on the on the last I guess the last um point then so what uh what let's say three tips what three tips do you have for you know a young person and this is outside of a relationship I guess it could be applied as well but um to to be able to save and manage their finances so my perspective will be slightly different I and mean, I can share that after but what would you share um just useful tips that people can have to to be able to manage their finances yeah and I, I think um I think the first tip would be exercise some patience you don't have to have everything now mm. and I guess that ties into the second one is there's a time and a place for everything so for example I when I when I um had that first car mm. um, I had my first car after training I could have easily easily have gone and bought another car like that it you know the money wasn't an issue but it the it was a choice it was okay do I have that car now mm. and then have to wait and prolong um you know buying a property or do I switch it around and buy the property first and then change the car and I think that's very much where wisdom plays a part and not feeling like you have to keep up with the latest mm. friends because they come and go. And well, I just want to touch on the property thing because I remember when when we went to the estate agents, well, you, I wasn't, I wasn't there that time, but we went to the estate agents and this was before we got this house, but we, we, you, we had the money, we had some money saved um, and they were basically telling us, oh, yeah, you're not going to afford so-and-so with that. You, this is, and then she took you to, you know, an apartment that, that wasn't really to your liking. 
Mm. Um, yeah, and, you, and again, you use that kind of judgment to say, now nah, I just, this just isn't what I've kind of saved all this time for. I'm going to leave it. And yeah. then, you know, within the next week, I kind of found this one and said, oh, yeah, let's go and have a look. And and, and it just was, a, again, about exercising patience. So it ties into what you were saying. Definitely. And I think, um, so that is kind of one point. I think the second point would be, okay, I guess because we're very busy people in general, we don't have like Sky or anything like that. Mm. See where you can cut money that isn't actually necessary I know that if you're used I guess I was never used to sky or anything like that growing up so Mm. for me it wasn't like I've had something and now it's gone Mm. but I would say definitely things like that like we you know we made a change of what clean our cars ourselves rather than spending 20 pounds you know every that's investment isn't it because I said I said oh well why am I going to the car wash for you know 10 15 pounds of time first of all let's get let's get a vacuum okay so let's rewind <laughs> carry on with your points and now I'll just I'll I'll, I'll add so you'll, you'll enhance that one. So <laughs> first point is basically do mm. not expect everything to be to happen at the same time that's unrealistic in life and it's definitely unrealistic financially mm. um, the second point is make sure that you can cut money where you can so if you don't use your amazon prime why do you have it if you don't watch enough tv to to warrant having sky then why have it and you know think of how you can you know save money do you need the most expensive phone do you need you know to have the newest things do you need to spend money on asos or pretty little thing it's those things there that you think oh it's only 50 pounds but you know so what do you spend your money on there nothing what do you, what, do you, <laughs> <laughs> what what do you actually what do you because because like, like you said there are there are women that that like to spend some money they like to treat themselves they get paid payday and whatnot and they want to treat themselves so what what do you what would you treat yourself with food I love food. I love eating out. I love going to restaurants. I love anything food related. So for you, it's it's for, so. I mean, but it's not just food though. I think it's the experience. Experiences, yeah. I was just about yeah. to come to that. It's it's yes, it's food primarily, but um, definitely, I'm more of a, an experienced person rather than objects. Mm. Like I'm not partic- Well, you know this about me. I'm not sentimental mm. at all when it comes to things. Like if it's broken, all right, I'll just get rid of it. <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. Um, so for me, yeah, it's very much the experience. So which is why uh, um, going away and, and experiencing new cities and countries and all that kind of thing is something that I really, really do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that as a waste of money. Some people do. Some people would prefer to, to have, you know, the newest television. Um, than than spend money on a a hotel some people definitely Mm. see that as as a waste of time Mm. but I also think that you know if you don't have the funds to be doing that then don't do it (laughs) like don't unfortunately I think in society especially with Instagram and things like that people have a tendency to to front do you think it do you think it's about 
so so when we're talking about saving is it about having an end goal in mind what are you saving for absolutely it's important to have an end goal and then also break down that goal like i said i was fortunate enough i lived at my parents i did give them some money um every month just because mm. i want to i felt like i'm working now um so i will give them money um they didn't really want to accept it but they didn't really have much of a choice so. <laughs> um but I think, you know, I had that goal of, okay, a thousand pounds a month by, you know, within 12 months, that's 12 grand that I, that I had. So it's very much a putting a, a figure on it and knowing that if you're going over that figure, then something else has to give. So if it's that you like to eat out and you spend that extra 20 or 30 pounds, then okay, no new shoes for this week or whatever it is that, you know, you wanted to buy. So I just think it's, it is about sacrifice. And mm -hmm. if you get to a certain point, then you can start living a life that you always wanted to without the repercussions of knowing that you didn't spend your money wisely when you were younger. Mm. Got yourself into debt. I don't have a credit card. Mm. I've never, I've never needed one. I know you have one and mm -hmm. you know, we've never really used it to be quite honest. Mm. Um, but you know, there's this there's this thing of oh, you can't buy a property unless you know you've got good credit. Mm. Well, what they're looking for is whether your salary matches the repayments of the mortgage. That's really all they want to know. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people say, oh yeah, well if you get a car on finance, that will help to build up your credit so you can buy a property. Not it's not necessary. It's mm. just a ploy to get you to spend money that you don't have to. Mm. Um, so I think it's definitely important to to really think about, okay, you know, can I can I do this a different way whereby I'm not going to be putting myself in financial harm's way, if you mm. will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So. I guess I just want to touch on the the whole uh, car washing and whatnot. I think for me, for me, it was about saying, well, I'm going to the car wash. You know, that's 10, 15 pound a time. Let me, let me first. So, so when we first moved in, I bought a, I bought a Hoover, didn't I? I don't want to be like sponsoring any brands on, on this. So I'll just say I bought a Hoover, but I bought a vacuum because Hoover is the maker of the vacuum, but I don't want to be sponsoring anyone. Um, that's not paying my podcast. <laughs> so I bought a, I bought a vacuum and the the thing broke within my, my friend my friend from London he was like nah what you want is a what you want is this type of vacuum and I was like nah nah I'm gonna get the cheaper one because it's you know it does the job and whatever yeah. the thing broke within a couple months and I was thinking nah that's that that's not right so there's certain things that you have to invest in you have to invest in it in, in the quality um, so it's not about just being cheap for cheap sake. You have to look at the reviews, look at what what's worth value for money. Is it going to break within a couple of months or so on and so forth? You don't want that. You want something that's going to last. So I bought a, a better vacuum and, you know, it was more flexible. You could you could then start vacuuming it inside of the car. And I was like, OK, well, that saves me five pounds from the um, from every time I go to the car wash because I don't have to get them to the inside. I can use my vacuum. So then I thought, hmm. Well, they use a jet wash. I might as well just get a jet wash and just jet wash my car and then both of our cars. And then that's, you know, that's what, £30 I'm saving technically um, every time I wash our cars. So I think just by doing that, you're saving £30, you know, every couple of weeks. So £60 a month just from washing the cars. So I think 
just little things like that, as you mentioned, can really make a make a big difference. Again, another tip. Oh, sorry, I've got quite a few. <laughs> my life, but um, when you do your food shopping, I actually write menus mm. so that when I go food shopping, I'm not just picking up anything. I'm putting it into the cart. Mm. So um, we have a budget of around forty pounds. Forty pounds a week, I would say. Forty pounds, fifty pounds a week that we will spend on um, on food. And I just love, I just make love making sure that it's within budget. Mm. Um, and you get a bit, you actually get a bit annoyed if it goes over the four. I do because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, oh, I've got to find that couple of extra quid somewhere else. I need to find a McDonald's or whatever. It, I do. I take it incredibly seriously, but it means that we then don't spend more than two hundred pounds a month on food. Mm. Um, so it it's just. I definitely, I definitely think that people need to be putting a number to it. So it's okay. If you want to save, how much do you actually want to save? Mm. You know, is it 800 pounds? Is it 200 pounds? Is it 500 pounds? What is it that you actually want to save per month? And why? And why, why exactly? And then it's, uh, okay. Um, I want to make sure that I don't spend as much on food shopping. Okay. You've said it, but what, what's your actual number that you're going to be sticking to mm. or trying your best to stick to because if you don't have a number you could easily spend we could easily easily spend eight pounds a week on food one mm. <laughs> i could just go to tesco and buy whatever um but it's just important to put a number on it and be specific about what it you know how much it is that you want to spend on things mm. um yeah definitely be specific, have menus or have ideas of how, what meals do you want to cook that mm. week to ensure that, you know, you're being very specific when you go to the shops. Yeah. And don't go shopping when you're hungry. That's another tip. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You end up picking up all sorts. Um, okay, so let, just, just in closing then, um, if you were going to give um, a piece of advice to a young student that is going into the education sector, what would that advice be? Take every single opportunity you possibly can. If they want you to stay for a meeting, stay. If they want you to, I don't know, go and observe something else or observe somebody else or, you know, um, stay for parents' evenings, stay. Not only does it make you look, of course, like you're engaged and you are genuinely wanting to learn, but whatever the experience whether it's good or not so good um it will stick with you and you'll then be able to hopefully if it is a good experience pull on that as and when you have your own class um you know just ask ask lots and lots of questions the more inquisitive you are the more you're going to learn mm -hmm. um, that's what i would definitely say to anybody that's considering going into into education and I think the other thing I'd say is be very clear on who you want to be as a teacher. You know, when you, when you are in front of these children, you can't forget, you will spend more time with these kids than their parents do, mm. for the most part. Um, what is it that you want that child to take away from who you are, you know, through them, through their life? Hands down, if you were to ask any child, describe describe Mrs. Webley, the key words that would come up with is she's always multitasking. Um, she likes to laugh. 
and she's incredibly organized mm. and those are the things that I want the children to to take through with them is that actually yeah we will do things at the, you know multiple things at the same time you know you do need to be organized you do need to show that you are wanting to learn um those are the kinds of things that I would say you know get your ethos what it is that you you want to convey to these children really have an idea of what it is mm. um yeah so you're true to yourself at the end of the day mm. you're true to who you are in your profession brilliant brilliant so usually I would ask at the end um if anyone wants to get in touch with you but I know you're not really into this you don't really do the social media and all them things so I'll put mine out there cjabatmansproject.com if you want to contact me and uh, we can we can get you in touch with with Mills um, and that's more to do with just the fact that you know she's she's a teacher and doesn't necessarily need all her information out there um, but thank you so much for um, for joining us today on the Black Pounds Project podcast and I know that there'll be a lot of people probably wanting to hear um, a part two on this so I'm sure there's things we could go into a little bit more depth um, but yeah, thank you and stay tuned guys for the next episode next week, which will be with Michael Danzi, the home business dad. Thank you and take care.